0: It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios. Welcome Sandy. Thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational.
1: And here with me in DC is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. He's and you still like for... me
0: or you or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You're all right. <laughs> I'm a musician. I can't help it.
2: Uh, Longtime Fox News contributor, Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We
0: have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do.
3: It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director
0: of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game.
2: This is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio
4: talk show host.
0: Some things are worth fighting for.
4: There will be enormous consequences if he were to go in and invade as he could the entire country or a lot less than that as well for Russia, not only in terms of economic consequences and political consequences, but it will be enormous consequences worldwide. This would be the largest if he were to move in with all those forces would be the largest invasion since World War Two. It would change the world.
0: Thank you, guys. guys. Thank you guys. Let's go. Thank you, guys.
4: Let's go. Thank you, guys. Thank you. you guys, come on. Let's go. Thank you. <laughs> there is not going to be any American forces moving into Ukraine.
0: So there you go. I bet Vladimir Putin is quaking in his boots at that kind of a warning. There will be dire consequences, but we're not going to send any troops in, so don't worry. It will shake up the world uh, if Russia invades Ukraine. The the whole the whole planet will shudder. It'll be the largest invasion in history, but we're not going to do anything about it. So I'm sure that Vladimir Putin is uh, worried sick. He's actually threatening appropriate measures if the West's response to the demands aren't constructive. You know, this reminds me very much of the uh, the horrible cycle we got into with North Korea, where... They would start to rattle their saber and threaten that they were going to launch these missiles and do all—they'd stomp their feet. And what did America do in response? Under Obama, at least, and under Bush, too, I think, to a certain extent. Uh, We sent them uh, money, lots of money. We we you know we helped them economically because that's really what the problem was. It wasn't that uh, Kim Jong Un, Kim Jong Il, Kim you know any of the Kim Jong's uh, were really wicked or wanted to destroy people. It was that you know they just were disadvantaged, and so we sent them lots of money. It was a it was a it happened every time. Uh, they would stomp their feet and threaten to uh, invade and threaten to attack, and then we would send money. And I just watch, just watch and see if this is not exactly the response of the Biden administration. Uh, to Russia, uh, and uh, Putin will be laughing all the way to the bank. Now that's my prediction. It could, I could be wrong about that, but um, hmm. you know, our uh, Russian expert on Monday, David Satter, said he predicted that Russia would not invade Ukraine. They wouldn't. He, they wouldn't do it, and uh, they haven't done it all week. They just. I think Putin is playing with Biden. I do enjoying you know watching him squirm because he knows that he is just. Uh, so terribly weak, and the people behind him—you know—they're—they're they're buddies of the old Soviets. So why would they go after Russia? Russia is their, like their hero? You have to understand, people who are really into communism in, in this country, the old uh, Bolsheviks, the, Russia is like—they—they they hold Russia in awe. That's why Bernie Sanders went to Russia to stay because he, they thought the Russian—he had his honeymoon in Moscow. Uh, when it was complete, like a third-world country caught off from the world and completely locked down with the Bolsheviks, that's where Bernie Sanders spent his honeymoon. They have a romance about the Soviets. So did uh, Barack Obama. Uh, he's written about this, like this, uh, this romance about the the Soviets because they were like the biggest, noisiest communist uh, establishment of communist rule in a country ever. The, the fruition of Lenin's dream. Uh, and so, um, uh, anyway, so we'll we'll see what happens. I'm sorry, I'm laughing. I know it's not funny. I recognize it's very serious. Nevertheless, you must laugh, or else you might, you know, cry or something. Um, by the way, uh, the the British through NATO are also trying to help Ukraine, uh, and they are uh, threatening sanctions against Russia if anything happens. And that leads me to this next unrelated, related but unrelated story. And this is what this is the title. Bojo busted for attending illegal Downing Street birthday gathering as Partygate drags on. Now, you might think that that's, like, um, sort of silly, but I'm telling you this is the silliness with which uh, the Brits are at least gripped right now. And I will read this. Uh, this is from Tyler Durden. Uh, he says, The report on Partygate is expected to land sometime during the coming week or so. It appears that British... Prime Minister Boris Johnson has been implicated in yet another illegal party at Number 10 Downing Street during the first lockdown in 2020. While the PM was eating birthday cake with his wife, staffers, and friends, his government was threatening dire consequences against any Briton who dared violate the Rule of Six, masking requirements, or who wandered too far from their homes. Now, first of all, there are two things going on here that I, I should st- set up right up front. Uh, The irony is, and it really is horrible, that Boris Johnson locked down his country so thoroughly and people could not get together. They couldn't, you know, it was just, the restrictions have been horrific in Great Britain for such a long time. Meanwhile, now they're finding out he was having birthday cake with his family and about 30 friends. Uh, In fact, I'll read this to you. Um, Up to 30 people were said to have attended the event, which was held in the cabinet room following a visit, official visit by Bojo to Hertfordshire. Um, nine days after the alleged birthday bash, Bojo asked the public to continue to show restraint and respect the rules which are designed to keep us all safe during a routine press conference. Um, ITV has also reported that the Johnsons hosted a small gathering, another one, at the PM's residence later that day, although Number 10 has denied this, claiming the PM only hosted a small number of family members outside. During the birthday party at Number 10, Carrie Johnson and Lulu Little were believed to have presented Bojo with a cake before leading a chorus of happy birthday. Those who attended are believed to have eaten picnic food from M&S for about 20 to 30 minutes before the gathering broke down. Downing Street is saying that the PM only attended for 10 minutes, but the report of yet another technically illegal party could create more problems for a PM struggling to outmaneuver a gang of backbencher Tories maneuvering to trigger another leadership contest. Okay, so here's the deal. This is blatant hypocrisy. It's horrific what he did, no question about it. But honestly, the ridiculousness of the rules that he laid down are coming back to bite him. Uh, they are, and they should come back to bite him. I have no question about that at all. It's just that the the bizarre, going into what people ate and. You know how it, it's. This is the kinds of things people have been forced to think about—the minutia of these rules. You know, this is. You may think this is bizarre—the rules that people are setting down for COVID restrictions, and Americans are doing the same thing. Six feet. Oh yeah, six feet. I saw a picture of a woman in a grocery store. I think I put this on our Facebook page a long time ago when this first started, and she had a yardstick and she's pushing her grocery cart and she's got a yardstick and she's holding it up in front so that no one gets closer than than six feet to her. Uh, this, it's, people have become crazy. I think I told you, I sat on a plane, this is, you know, uh, probably in the spring or six months after COVID broke out with this young man completely dressed in a hazmat suit. Uh, it, people have become crazy and um, they want, they so, the, their virtue is not keeping the rules. Their virtue isn't, you know, they wear a mask or they wear two masks, better yet, or they social distance or they, I don't know what else they do. Uh, they eat their wheaties. I'm not sure, but they—they these are the things that make them feel righteous. Now, the irony is the deep thing about this is that men always gravitate mankind, men, mankind, womankind, always uh, gravitate to rules, because rules are so much easier to keep than a change of heart. Now, I know I'm making a, we- a leap here, but this is also very true. Remember the Jews had so many rules for. Your behavior on the Sabbath, and they kept adding law after law after rule after rule, and the Ten Commandments till when Jesus came, the rules were just out of ridiculous, out of control, silly rules like we have for COVID. And that's what mankind seems to like, because when they can keep the rules, uh, they can consider themselves righteous. But of course, God uh, requires a lot more from us. He requires a full uh, obedience of the heart, um, a change of heart, not a change of you know behavior. And so uh, but but Boris Yeltsin is in trouble because Boris Johnson, Boris Johnson, is in trouble because he he broke the rules. It's just kind of funny to see how they go into great detail about how he broke those rules. Meanwhile, uh, in uh, Britain, of course, you know that a couple of days ago, I told you that he was announcing a, a let up of no mask wearing in schools anymore. Um, uh, all the restrictions, the visiting restrictions, were listed, and so you know he's in trouble in Great Britain and. Uh, this is kind of people say, and I think it must be true. How could it not be true? Uh, he has proved himself to be a political animal, just uh, living to please. He was it was so out of character for him. He was like the Trump of Europe, uh, and he was tough. And you know, when he he was uh, fighting for the breakup with the EU and took such strong stands, and now and then suddenly he caved to everything after he got elected, and then uh, became like a, a wimp on the COVID restrictions and became worse than anyone really. In the European continent, uh, of, in terms of restrictions, early on, but now he's letting letting them up because he needs to win an election. And for whatever reason, um, whatever the reason, I'm grateful for people in England now. A growing number of European countries are rolling back their COVID restrictions. That would include the Czech Republic and Spain and France. Remember, we talked to our our friend from Spain, Soren, a couple of weeks ago, and he said that they really they had ro- rolled back the restrictions. I was shocked, honestly. France, Ireland, even. And so, but in, interestingly enough, in Germany and Austria, they're doubling down. Uh, so, uh, this is interesting because this is an article I read about what's happening in Germany. Ger- protests are breaking out. Oh, they've been going on, but now they're just increasing. In over a thousand locations, just one week, there were uh, demonstrations in, sh- in Germany. And the German government, from my understanding, is seriously concerned over the sheer number of protests against the COVID restrictions. The influential German broadcast Die Welt reveals that on the same day, protests took place in over 1,000 locations. The government is concerned about the decentralized actions, reports the newspaper, with one source labeling the immensity of the demonstration as depressing. You know, because Germany is a, a, you know, their natural bent, it is, their fallback is totalitarianism, is iron rule, is war, and so the German people are kind of fighting back, and it's kind of throwing off their mojo. So we'll see what happens with that. But that's kind of an, kind of some—today I want to give you a, lots of different um, stories that are just from around the globe, different things that have happened that I think you'll find interesting. And as a matter of fact, something happened in uh, New York City that we didn't get to earlier in the week. This is Clip 15. Let's listen.
5: New this morning, a controversial statue of former President Teddy Roosevelt has been removed from its former perch outside the American Museum of Natural History. Crews dismantled it in separate pieces early this morning, hoisting those parts of the statue high in the air. It portrays Roosevelt atop a horse flanked by a Native American man and an African man on foot. The statue will soon be shipped to the new Theodore Roosevelt Presidential Library in North Dakota. All right. So why is that
0: important? Well, that's important because that happened because of the Black Lives Matter protests, and most people don't know much about Teddy Roosevelt, but his roots were in New York City. He is one of the the Roosevelts, like as in Fa- uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt. He's of that line. He was uh, an incredible president. I find his life absolutely fascinating. He is a hero of all heroes. Uh, a child who nearly died uh, because of his asthma. Uh, he could not breathe when he was a child. His dad would. He'd have these attacks, his dad, his very wealthy dad living in this beautiful home, would take his son over his shoulder and take him for long walks at night because the child couldn't sleep, he couldn't breathe. And he grew up to be a kind of a weak child. He ended up going out west. Uh he became he discovered fitness and living the outdoor life. He became a a cow, a, a, a cowboy. <laughs> and it's actually a great story. He was an intellectual cowboy. Uh and then he learned to love nature. He did more to uh, establish uh, parks and recreation in this country, beautiful national parks. Uh, he was a fighter. He, uh, was a, he served in World War I. He was a hero in that. And he opened up the world, really, to minorities. And that's why that statue, you know, the, it's not a degradation to the Indian man walking next to him or the African man. It's a, it's a tribute uh, to that shows Teddy Roosevelt that was uncommon for a man of his social standing to be paired with a, an Indian and a black man at that time. This is like the uh, the the, the uh, 19 I'm guessing 1910 something like that, and so uh, it's just just complete and abject ignorance, which is, explains why across town they're shooting New York policemen like sitting ducks. You know about the two that passed away, 27 and. 22 years old, both of them partners. Since the start of the new year, five officers have been shot in New York City. So Black Lives Matter is having a great impact on the city of New York. One hero's statue torn down while two heroes have been killed. So, an injection of reality is needed in this country. Sandy Rios, in the morning on AFR Talk.
6: Here's some great news. If you miss the deadline to sign up for health insurance or if, like a lot of people, you just have a plan you're not happy with, you still have a choice. It's called MediShare. It's a Christian healthcare sharing program. There are more than 400,000 members now, and they love it. In fact, MediShare has double the customer satisfaction rate compared to that of health insurance. And MediShare really is the gold standard when it comes to healthcare sharing. It's been around more than 25 years. Members have shared more than 4 billion dollars of each other's medical bills. Plus, MediShare is for you. It has saved its members billions by advocating on their behalf. Best of all, the typical savings for a family is around $6,000 a year. So if you think you're stuck with a high cost health plan that doesn't have much to offer, think again. MediShare has a 98% customer satisfaction rating and you are invited to be part of it. Call now, 833-44-BIBLE. That's 833-44-BIBLE, 833-44-BIBLE.
0: This is Pause to Pray, a chance each day to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders.
3: Today, we pray for General Scott Barrier, Director of the Defense Intelligence Agency. His office is an intelligence and combat support agency specializing in defense and military intelligence. Proverbs 19.20 reminds us of the importance of acquiring wisdom. Listen to advice and accept instruction that you may gain wisdom in the future. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask you to guide General Scott Barrier as he provides intelligence to U.S. defense officials. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Pause to Pray is the service of this station and the presidential prayer team. Get your 2022 prayer guide and make this the year of prayer. Available now at PauseToPray.org.
2: Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes. Stand by for news and commentary next. You need a university you can trust that offers a world-class education with the values, knowledge, and skills you need to succeed. That place is Liberty University, and now is the perfect time to start. This fall, Liberty celebrating 50 years of training champions for Christ, a mission that has not wavered since it opened in 1971. With more than 700 programs online and on campus, Liberty can help you turn your vision into a future you can be proud of. Text EXPLORE to the number 49596. That's EXPLORE to the 49596. The good people of St. Francis County in Missouri are redesigning their county seal. It includes an eagle, an American flag, and a shovel. But that's not what triggered a bunch of -of out-of-town atheists. The county seal also features a Bible, a cross, and the words, In God We Trust. And nothing sets off the godless heathens like the Holy Bible. The Freedom for Religion Foundation says the proposed county seal is inappropriate and all the religious imagery must be removed. They say St. Francis is not a Christian county, and Missouri is not a Christian state, and the United States is not a Christian nation. County commissioners say they are open to new suggestions for the design, so don't be surprised if the Bible and cross are replaced by Dr. Fauci, and maybe a booster shot. Socialists are trying to take over America. I explain what we can do about it in my best-selling book, Culture Jihad, available right now at toddsterns.com.
3: Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Getter or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. All
0: right, well, this is a banner day for uh, at least for federal workers, because this is the day when the mandates are lifted officially. OSHA has sent out a notice Uh, The U.S. Department of Labor Occupational Safety and Health Administration announces their withdrawal of the employee vaccine mandate that was ruled unconstitutional by the United States Supreme Court. But the thing that they did was they changed their original wording uh, from a mandate to strongly encouraging, so like a suggestion. They didn't really mean it. It wasn't really a mandate. But, of course, still existing because of the Supreme Court's refusal to lift it are mandates on medical workers mandates on military members and personnel uh, and uh, contractors. And so uh, it's a problem. It remains a problem because we know that the uh, vaccines are having less and less effect on our health. And so um, I've often said, in fact, I said last week with the Supreme Court's ruling, what can Congress do? Can't Congress do anything? Isn't there something they can do? And we've been looking for a champion to actually make that happen. And we do have a champion uh, his name is Congressman Chip Roy. He's from Texas. Uh, he joins me this morning. Uh, uh, Chip, can you tell us where you are? Are you out, like, s- stomping around, causing trouble? Are you <laughs> – what are you doing? Yeah.
7: <laughs> yeah, Sandy, great to be on the show as always. Yeah, I'm driving around the hill country, Texas, in uh, route to San Antonio. Uh, you know, our primary is in a few weeks in February. And so I'm out uh, visiting with the great uh, people of Central Texas and, uh, and then causing mischief in the middle of all that, of course, as always.
0: Okay. Well, this is a serious mischief that you're causing, and it needs to happen. I have to tell you, Chip, that I'm sorry. I do this to you. I'm sorry. I have to explain that you were Chief of Staff for Ted Cruz, and that's how I knew you for a long time, and I keep slipping into that. You're Congressman Roy. You deserve that title, so forgive me. Congressman, I just did an interview that's going to air on Friday about uh, the CARES Act, which was a $2 trillion spending bill to supposedly come to our rescue in the midst of all the COVID problems and ended up being a big piggy bank, but it also did worse. It incentivized hospitals to kill people, and I'm not going to go into all of that in this moment because I'll do a expose on it on Friday, but it matters, the spending bills that are passed In Congress. It matters what you guys sign off on. And so you are trying to like draw a line in the sand when our government funding expires on February the 18th. So tell us what you're doing.
7: Yeah, first of all, always feel free to call me Chip. That's who I am. And that's fine. And um, but but secondly, um, on this issue, let me let me just say two things. First, the issue of the vaccine mandate. You and I both know, that uh, they're unnecessary, it's a power grab, it's doing nothing to actually improve the health and well-being of Americans. And the court was right to strike down the OSHA uh, mandate, but obviously the court got it wrong on CMS, and we're still dealing, as you pointed out in the lead into this segment, that the military, our men and women in uniform, are suffering because we're uh, allowing them to be discharged because they don't believe they should get a COVID vaccine that's been politicized same with federal contractors. That's wrong. And we need to do something about it. And so that's that issue. And so, yes, we're talking about February 18th when this funding of government, the continuing resolution, we call it, expires. Now, the left and frankly, even some Republicans immediately say uh, Republicans, Chip Roy, are leading effort to shut down government over vaccine mandates or whatever. Well, that's how they want to frame it. But remember the core question for conservatives listening to this radio program and generally is whether or not your members of Congress should ever vote to fund tyranny, to fund the very targeting of American citizens. In this case, funding enforcement of vaccine mandates. But why do we do that? Why do we why do we fund, for example, the FBI going after parents? Why do we fund the ATF going after gun owners? Why do we fund the Department of Homeland Security that refuses to secure the border while Americans die, right? We need to force members of Congress to answer that question. I wanted to pick this fight in February over the vaccine mandates because it's so ripe and so timely. But every time we vote to fund government, we should be asking members of Congress why they are funding a government with borrowed money to then target American citizens. And I'm going to keep beating that drum. and in this case, go after these vaccine mandates.
0: You know, uh, let, me, let me do, uh, let me do, <laughs> let me actually go into detail just a tiny bit about what I've learned about the CARES Act. And I, I, listen, let me just say before I say this, you know that, I don't know how many, most of these bills are averaging 1,000 pages, you know, or whatever. So there's, there's no way that you guys can know all that you're passing. But we're learning that the reason hospitals are taking people in and uh, forcing them, you know, like actually putting them in hospitals without the permission of family, uh, putting them on ramdesivir, putting them on ventilators, and uh, letting them die uh, is because there's tremendous financial incentive built in, signed by Congress through the CARES Act. We're finding out that hospitals are getting, you know, hundred thousands of dollars. Depends on the state. I think West Virginia gets as much gets as, as four hundred thousand dollars for every covid patient that they take in 20 percent off a bonus uh, on every the full bill of each patient that uh, they give remdesivir to remdesivir kills people my point is this chip is that uh, these bills are containing things that are killing people and I, and so it matters you're talking about this bill of funding we can't let that happen again we got to stop you guys are responsible to stop this this is your way to stop these mandates and um uh,
7: how
0: yeah.
7: many people? And, and Go ahead. Oh, no. Santa, I just want to say, number one, also remember, if you're listening to this program, remember that the United States Congress, the People's House, we did not even vote on the CARES Act. It was passed by voice vote. Thomas Massey tried to force the vote rightly. I was with Thomas. Uh, I agreed with him on that. I actually wasn't physically there because I couldn't get a flight. Remember that everything was shut down, so I wouldn't have been able to get there until later that night. But he tried to force it, but you got to have 20% of the body to force a a roll call vote, so we didn't even vote on it. Okay? I mean, that's how bad this stuff is. Then what's in the bill, you're exactly right, Sandy, right? We have dollars in there. They're incentivizing a lot of this fraud, incentivizing, uh, you know, the the, uh, hospital's, Uh, to uh, do what they've been doing with respect to COVID and our policies. Uh, I agree with my friend Marty Macri that we need to have a kind of 9-11 type commission, although you got to have the right people on it, or something like that, to have a total review of the absurdity of the policies that have shut down our government, put our kids in the corner, made them wear masks, uh, forced people to get vaccinated, caused them to lose their jobs, shut down an economy, increased, mental health issues, suicide rates, all of this because of bad policy making by your leaders in D.C., frankly, on both sides of the aisle, I must say, uh, heavily, obviously, now the Biden administration. Um, but, but this is all endemic. This is all, you know, what happens when you have a government that is spending money that it doesn't have and writing checks it can't cash, basically borrowing money to fund all of this stuff. There is no limit to how much tyranny that we're going to get over the American people if we don't stop funding it.
0: All right, so where are you with this? Uh, you have uh, t- like more than a couple of dozen of uh, Republicans who have signed... You've got an epi- petition. Is this a petition in Congress? A petition to who?
7: Well, I've got a letter that's circulating that we're keeping open over recess. We'll send this letter next week, uh, a, a letter to uh, Leader of M- M- McConnell in the Senate and Leader McCarthy in the House, saying that we believe the Republican... Uh, uh, conference in both the House and the Senate ought to be standing up against these vaccine mandates. And so if you're listening to this, you should check and see if your member of Congress has joined our letter. You know, We're taking in names here over the break, uh, and we'll try to get enough signers on that to cause a little bit of pressure. But remember, in December, uh, most House Republicans voted no, and I suspect most House Republicans, but I say most, all but I think one. I think all but maybe Kinzinger's voted uh, against the continuing resolution in December. But only 19 Senate Republicans voted for it. And of those 19, we need about 10 of them to say, you know what, I'm not going to vote to fund government with these vaccine mandates. That's what it really boils down to, is making sure we get enough Senate Republicans to say no and force a conversation on this.
0: All right. So, uh, So is there an easy way to tell people to take action?
7: Tell them to call your member of Congress and uh, to get aboard the Roy letter demanding that we not fund vaccine mandates.
0: Okay, easy enough to do. And we'll put that on our Getter account. Also, um, uh, Chip, uh, sorry. <laughs> so your election is, is coming fine. up in February. <laughs> All right. If people want to help you, how can they do that with your election? <clears throat> well, thanks, re-election. Sandy,
7: uh, <clears throat> Yeah, chiproy.com. I'd love to have any help and support. Just get the word out. We just want to have a high turnout across the country. And let me remind people, it's not just races like mine. you got to get out there and get people to turn out and get good candidates for your uh, Republican nominees to make sure we have district attorneys and local folks taking over school boards because we're going to win the culture fight at the local level. Make sure you get out. Take those school boards back. Take our schools back. Take over our district attorney's offices. Get good sheriffs. Get good law enforcement. Uh, don't let the left take over your homes and communities. So get out and vote.
0: Excellent. Excellent. Okay, Congressman, thanks. We really appreciate your time. Go forth, and uh, we'll talk to you soon.
7: Thanks, Sandy. God bless.
0: <laughs> okay, thanks. Same to you, sir. All right. Um, yeah, these guys, They, you know what? The guys that are serious about governing work hard. It kind of reminds me, <laughs> okay? Random thought. Reminds me of pastors. <laughs> you know, I'm in, my, in my lifetime of uh, knowing pastors, some have the, been very uh, passive and just done the bare, bare minimum of what they have to do. It's easy. Actually, you can be pretty lazy and be a pastor. Or you can be filled with passion for the gospel and work your fingers to the bone. And uh, there aren't enough of those kind. But uh, in regard to politicians, uh, Congressman Roy is one of those. So, all right, I want to talk to you about this um here we go. Uh, remember that as we talked yesterday, uh, that overnight, the night before, uh, the federal government decided that they were no longer going to allow monoclonal antibodies uh, to be uh, given, and they especially shut it down in Florida. Florida is one of the biggest, uh, you know, vendors we have uh, in Florida. They have all kinds of outlets where people can get monoclonal antibodies, and sec, in fact. Let me give you the, the uh, exact wording when they shut this down, the FDA. And they did it overnight. Okay, so this was um, the night before, and uh, it says that they, the data show that such treatments are, and this is their, their words, highly unlikely. Highly unlikely. The data show that the treatments are highly unlikely to be active against the Omicron variant. And, of course, they go on to make the case that it's true that Omicron is the, the most prominent uh, variant now over Delta, but there's no way for people to know, you know, how many. You can't really count that. Uh, but they're claiming that there's uh, there's so little uh, Delta left that these have to be removed immediately, and they don't know for sure if these monoclonal antibodies are effective on people for Omicron, but they say it's highly unlikely, so they have to be removed immediately. Well, you can imagine that Governor DeSantis was not happy about that. And uh, you knew he would speak up, and he did. This is what he had to say, clip three.
1: First of all, uh, th- that is all modeling. They don't know that for sure. This, these monoclonals were highly effective against the Delta variant to keep people out of hospitals. We have been using them with patients coming in during the Omicron wave. And we have seen success anecdotally. Now, we haven't run a clinical trial But neither did the fda they're relying on one study which was an observational study it was not a clinical trial it was not peer-reviewed that said the two monoclonals aren't effective against omicron it was done by a consultant for one of the rival drug companies now if you do clinical trials maybe it'll end up being the case but man that's very flimsy evidence to take this treatment away from people And we had thousands of people in the queue at our treatment sites in Florida, Laura, and they all of a sudden wake up to saying that you're out of luck because of the whims of the Biden administration. What they're doing is just fundamentally wrong. If you look at this remdesivir, which people like Fauci have talked about being the standard of care for hospitalized patients, there's not great data on that. They're not revoking the EUA for that. They're only focusing on these two monoclonal antibodies, which have shown to be have tremendous success against Delta. And yes, I do think that they were upset when Florida did that because their view is you should only worry about vaccines. Don't discuss treatment. We reject that because for the reason you said people are still getting infected, even who've gone through vaccinations. In fact, at our vaccine sites, Laura, it's usually 75 to 80 percent of the people that go in to get treatment have been vaccinated. Many of them have gotten booster shots. And yet they're still getting infected. And so this is not on the up and up here. And look, in Florida, we just anticipate hostility from this administration. That's just what they do. Uh, They are much they are much more interested in picking political fights than they are of actually being there for the people in our state that need this assistance.
0: Yeah, I would say that they're much more interested in uh, causing people to die. They don't care. Yeah, their political well-being is more important to them than people's lives. There's no question about it. On remdesivir, could I just say one more time that the other part of this was as they remove monoclonal antibodies, the reason DeSantis spoke up about remdesivir is because they've decided that they're going to make remdesivir, which is given to every single COVID patient that enters the hospital because the hospital gets 20% bonus on your entire hospital bill. If they give you remdesivir, so pretty good motivation. And But trouble is remdesivir uh, causes renal failure, uh, seizures. Uh, the World Health Organization in late 2020 recommended against the use of remdesivir for COVID. But that's not stopping your FDA. No, 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 no. Because too many financial incentives are there. And uh, hospitals are giving it left and right because they're making money left and right. Uh, although one more thing, I need to say this before we move on. Uh, a CDC recently has come out study saying that unboosted vaccin- vaccinated people are, are are more vulnerable to Omicron than people who don't have a vaccine at all. So um, it's just all over the map, isn't it? It is. It really is. It's just a tragedy, and we're going to have to stop it, and we're going to stop. This is Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk.
2: Think about the tech industry priding itself on being a meritocracy that rewards effort. Though that may work in Silicon Valley, it's not the way Christ wants Christians to live out their faith. Hi, I'm Charles Morris with Haven Today, and this week we'll remember Christ's grace for sinners in a series
3: called The Deep, Deep Love of Jesus. Haven Today, weekday mornings at 430 Central on American Family Radio. Listen online at AFR.net. Too busy to catch your favorite shows on the radio? Have no fear, because the AFR app is here. Download the app to have access to live broadcast, music streaming, as well as each podcast. Whether you're at work, at home, or on the go, it's easy to listen to AFR. The AFR app is available not only for Apple and Android users, but also on Amazon Alexa and Roku. Download the AFR app today at AFR.net.
1: Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Sometimes there's a delay between crying out to God in prayer and seeing those prayers answered. It is imperative for us in those times that we don't waver in our confidence in our God. The next verse goes on to say, For you have need of endurance, so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. You see, the delay between supplication and delivered answer is one of the ways God develops endurance in us. He desires that the roots of our faith grow down deep, that we become trees planted by rivers of living water, steadfast, immovable, always abounding in His work. In this, we grow beyond superficial Christianity.
6: Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Well, the year is 2022
4: and it's time to travel again. Hello, everyone. I'm Tim Wildman, president of American Family Association and American Family Radio. Hey, it is 2022 and we've got our spiritual heritage tours planned for June and September. And we look forward to it warming up and us getting back out there, seeing our great country. And we invite you to join us. We're going to Williamsburg, Jamestown and Yorktown. And then we've got a separate trip to Washington, D.C., and Mount Vernon, the home of George Washington. So the itinerary for these tours, the cost, everything you need to know is available at spiritualheritagetours.com, spiritualheritagetours.com. We're going to have a great time with... Fellow listeners to AFR and supporters of American Family Association, in June and September, sign up now before we run out of space. That's spiritualheritagetours.com. This is Frank Affney with the
2: Secure Freedom Minute. According to legend, a single courageous Roman warrior named Horatius successfully defended a bridge against an invading army, sparing his city from certain destruction. It turns out that we have a Horatius in the US Senate. Ron Johnson of Wisconsin. Yesterday, Senator Johnson convened an informal hearing about the COVID-19 virus and the toll it has needlessly taken on our countrymen and women due to governmental and media ineptitude and malfeasance. He took five hours of testimony from leading medical practitioners, vaccine victims, and other experts who participated in an extraordinary Defeat the Mandates march in Washington the day before. On this issue and the big lie about January 6th being an insurrection, Senator Johnson is single-handedly showing his Republican colleagues what they can and must do this year even in the minority namely expose the truth godspeed horatius johnson this is frank gaffney
3: sandy rios in the morning on american family radio all
0: right sandy rios back with you i want to talk just for a second about my hometown of chicago You know, one of the finest universities in the country is the University of Chicago. It's maybe doesn't, uh, you won't understand the use of this word, so I won't use it. Um, It's not uh, flashy. Uh, University of Chicago has been strictly an academic institute. It's absolutely beautiful. The architecture is like gothic. If you've ever ever been to downtown Chicago, you know that there's some beautiful, beautiful architecture. Uh, And so University of Chicago reflects that, their chapel, all of it. And it just it feels like you know it's kind of like a, a in the vein of a, of a, of an Oxford or some place like that. And out of the University of Chicago have come some of the finest doctors, scientists, thinkers uh, the world's ever known, and economists. I think of Milton Friedman, who is a, still the free market guru, uh, the go-to person for for free uh, people that believe in free economies. Um, and uh, through the years, of when I was in uh, on the air in Chicago, I used to inter- interact and intersect with students at the University of Chicago because they were always doing really incredible things. I mean, they're just extremely bright, and um, I'm not saying all of them, but there are some out of that university have come a lot of great minds. And so that reminded—I was thinking of that last night when I was watching this interaction with Tucker Carlson. this is a, a young girl, Audrey Unverfert, Unverfert. Um uh, She was uh, talking about the caste system, that has been created by the booster mandate at the University of Chicago, which kind of surprised me. The University of Chicago has actually been slow to adapt politically correct, uh, e- even uh, as much as a couple of years ago. They were still resisting political correctness, So, but they do have a vaccine mandate, so says um, Audrey. And I want you to hear her uh, make her case to Tucker Carlson about why that's wrong. Let's listen
5: my editorial board and I are speaking out demanding that the University of Chicago end its unethical anti-science booster mandate. Our editorial board of nine editors all signed it. The primary author was Eden Nagusi, and she did an amazing job. And what we outline very carefully in the editorial is that there's just no excuse for this latest mandate. It's absolutely absurd and one of the worst parts of it is that it imposes a caste system within our university doctors and select scientists are exempt so some of the world's leading doctors and scientists don't have to get this jab including those who are experts in immunology meanwhile students and professors and others are being told that in order to participate in this community that I so love that that we need to get yet another jab, and we're saying enough is enough. If we don't speak out now, this is never going to end. So we're calling on everyone to sign our petition at thechicagothinker.com and to help us end this. Sadly. So many people are so very afraid and they think if they're sheep now and they just follow along and they follow the rules, this will all go away. And the thing is, this COVID theater is never going to end if we don't fight back now.
0: This COVID theater is never going to end if we don't fight back now. The wisdom of a what 20-year-old, 19-year-old maybe, Uh, I thought that was pretty amazing, Audrey Unverforth, in her interview last night with uh, Tucker Carlson and and she's right about it. It's a great name, the COVID, COVID theater. That's a great name for the whole thing, that we're doing this act that we're playing. I had to uh, go to a doctor last night and went into the office, and the first thing they said, well, you know, do you have a mask? And I said, no, I don't wear a mask. Uh, and, of course, then, oh, well, we have one for you. And I said, well, I – so I took the mask, but I never put it on. Because I uh, – look, uh, you could say that – um." I could be respectful. Yes, and I was respectful, but uh, respectful of their rules. Or you could say, no, they're, they're asking me to play the part, a part, in this COVID theater that I'm not willing to play. The emperor has no clothes. This is a worthless thing. Why are we doing this? I'm not doing this. Uh, so I didn't do it last night. I, I'm not bragging about that. I'm just saying we have to think about how we're going to respond to the pressures around us because when we... Uh act as though we are, you know, oh yeah, mm-hmm, yeah, we're we're, you know, running right along with the whole thing. That's I think that's a problem. And it doesn't necessarily show uh respect as much as it you can do, you can disobey respectfully, I'm thinking. And to say, No, not no, this is worthless and I just recognize and you probably do too. I had another encounter with a doc because I've seen a few doctors lately because of my illness, uh where I forgot what she said to me, but I said I just looked at her. I said, "You know, that what you said is absolutely not true. You do know that, right?" Uh, So we had quite the conversation, and um, I don't know. I just think we need to we need to be bringing uh, truth to our culture, Uh, not uh, always guarding our methods and our words, uh, but just bringing truth. And uh, I just hope that you'll do that. Now, this reminds me of this story out of University of Chicago. Reminds me of a different story. Uh, that I read a couple of days ago. Now, this is um, Jordan Peterson is a very famous guy. He may not be famous to you, but he's a renowned psychologist. You may have seen him on television. I've been in meetings with him. He's a he, <laughs> He's one of these guys. He's, he speaks with such depth that I have trouble keeping up. I do. I don't know if that's great intelligence or just intentionally confusing people, um, but he is very, very bright, and the world really respects him. At least they did. Until he started getting off the, off the, you know, the playlist, he got off the, off the uh, script a little bit, wasn't willing to play theater. And so this is not about COVID necessarily, <clears throat> excuse me, but Jordan Peterson is fed up and he has just resigned as a tenured university professor in Toronto and he torpedoes academia as a stunningly corrupt enterprise. I want to read to you what he says. Renowned psychologist—I'm reading this, by by the way, from The Blaze. Renowned psychologist and the author, Dr. Jordan Peterson, has resigned from the University of Toronto and issued a scathing rebuke of academia in an essay for the National Post. And, of course, that's Canada. Peterson, a former tenured professor at the university, said that he could no longer stomach the school's feverish, frenzied, and over-the-top push for diversity, equity, and inclusion. They call it D-E-I. Peterson wrote, I have envisioned teaching and researching at the University of Toronto full-time until they had to haul my skeleton out of my office. I loved my job, and my students, undergraduates and graduates alike, were positively predisposed toward me. But that career path was not meant to be. Peterson explained that he could no longer idly stand by and watch what he called qualified and supremely trained heterosexual white male graduate students— be overlooked for research positions due to the push for diversity, equity, and inclusion. These have been imposed universally in academia, despite the fact that the university hiring committees had already done everything reasonable for all the years of my career, and then some to ensure that no qualified, quote, minority candidates were overlooked. He said, my students are also... um, I'm sorry, I can't read that. Make that word out. Something of uh, something unacceptable, precisely because they are my students. I am academic persona non grata because of my unacceptable philosophical positions, and this isn't just some inconvenience. These facts, he added, rendered my job morally untenable. How can I accept prospective researchers and train them in good conscience, knowing their employment prospects to be minimal? He went on to talk about cancel culture, overt political correctness. He said those are at the center of secondary education culture's corruption and that otherwise brilliant instructors are made to kowtow to diversity initiatives or lose their livelihoods. They all lie, excepting the minority of true believers, and they teach their students to do the same. And they do it constantly with various rationalizations and justifications, further corrupting what is already a stunningly corrupt enterprise. Some of my colleagues even allow themselves to undergo so-called anti-bias training conducted by supremely unqualified human resources personnel lecturing inanely and blithely and in an accusatory manner about theoretically all-pervasive racist, sexist, heterosexist attitudes. Such training is now often a precondition to occupy a faculty position on a hiring committee. All of you, going along with the diversity, inclusion, and equity activists, whatever your reasons, this is on you. Cowering cravenly in pretense and silence, teaching your students to dissimulate and lie, to get along as the walls crumble, for shame. CEOs signaling a virtue you don't possess and shouldn't want to please a minority who literally live their lives by displeasure. You are evil capitalists, after all, and should be proud of it. At the moment, I can't tell you if you're more reprehensibly timid, even in the professors. Why the blank don't you banish the human resource, diversity, inclusion, and equity upstarts back to the more appropriately named personnel departments? Stop them from interfering with the psyches of you and your employees and be done with it. Musicians, artists, writers, stop bending your sacred and meritorious art to the demands of the propagandists before you fatally betray the spirit of your own intuition. Stop censoring your thought. Stop saying you will hire for your orchestral and theatrical productions for any reason other than talent and excellence. That's all you have. That's all any of us have. He who sows the wind will reap the whirlwind, and the wind is rising." That's from Jordan Peterson. And uh, actually, we should put his essay from uh, directly from the Post on Getters, so that you can read that um, uh, rather than this article about it because uh, it's fascinating, as you can see. And, that's, boy, that's pretty gutsy. And he's resigned again his tenure. So uh, that was a pretty, pretty bold move to take. And, of course, any of you that have been to universities and those of you that are, are younger and have been the last 10 years or even 15 or are still there, know exactly what he's talking about. It's just, all, you know, it's all theater. It's amazing. It really is. And that reminds me of another story. This is, um, if I have the time to tell it here, this is theater of a different kind. This is like theater of the, the whole business of transgenderism and sexuality, where we pretend things are what they aren't. We pretend uh, men can have uh, babies, that we're our secretary of uh, of a... Uh, transportation is, you know, taking maternity leave to nurse, uh, take care of his baby, his new baby. It's bizarre times where the, uh, one of the Secretaries of Health and H- Human Services is dressed like a baby doll in an airport. We caught her on video because, you know, it's theater of the absurd. So, and it's starting even younger than college, of course, and this reminds me of a story out of California, A mother of a student has taken legal action against a school district in Salinas, California over policies she claims allowed two teachers at Buena Vista Middle School to secretly brainwash her teenage daughter into identifying as bisexual and later transgender. Jessica Conan blasted members of the Spreckles Union School District at a board meeting in mid-December claiming the teachers who ran an LGBTQ plus club during lunch hour coached Her then sixth-grade daughter to change her gender identity and use a masculine name and pronouns at school. Now there is actually Harmie Dillon, who is the attorney you see on Fox often. She is uh, with the Center for American Liberty, is their attorney, and they actually have a videotape or a a tape, I don't know if it's video, of the this uh, teacher, uh, uh, these teachers plotting to do this. So. Teachers Lori Calderera and Kelly Baraki and the school's principal, Caitlin Pagarin, are named in the claim. As a minor, Conan's daughter is referred to only as A.G. Uh, Sometimes Mrs. Calderera and Ms. Baraki, or it's Ms. Ms., both of them, would introduce and push LGBT plus identities on students, and the students resisted and planted the seed in A.G.'s mind that she was bisexual. That idea did not originate with A.G. In fact, she did not fully understand what that term meant. Um, Okay, so it was a leaked audio recording of the teachers at a California Teachers Association conference. And that video revealed that Caldera and Baraki, the teachers, encouraged other teachers to hide the nature of the Gay Straight Alliance clubs from parents. Let me just say, I have to say this to you to make this, to underscore this. This is not new. I've told you, and I say again, that in, I believe, the early 90s, a video, at what time it was a VCR tape, called it's elementary was circulated among teachers. I have one, I still have it. And I watched uh, I watched it in shock because they were coaching teachers how to introduce homosexuality in school and not tell the parents. So in this uh, audio recording you tell you hear them telling the teachers to hide the nature of the gay straight alliance club. <clears throat> the conference was called Beyond the Binary: <clears throat> Identity and Imagining Possibilities. Um Uh, The Equity Club was uh, renamed UBU in order to disguise that. The teachers suggested the parents who refused to call their child by pronouns of the child's choosing should be arrested and charged with child abuse. The teachers talk about spying on students' online searches and activity as well as eavesdropping on their conversations. We totally stalked what they were doing on Google, said one of the teachers. So those teachers, I think, are in trouble. And isn't that good news? Isn't that good good news? A lawsuit in California protecting parents' rights. All right, well, that's it for today. Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk.
6: The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.